is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Sheldon Akins to the show. Dr. Akins will talk about how educators can learn to be more equitable and promoting diversity in the classroom. Dr. Akins, welcome. I'm really jazzed to have you on the show today. The pleasure is mine. I appreciate you for having me on. Oh my goodness. Listen, I am really excited to learn more because you founded the Leading Equity Center and you have a podcast called Leading Equity and this brand new book, which is awesome, called Leading Equity. So you've got a good brand going there. But I'd love for you to give us the backstory because clearly um, your life and professional experiences have brought you to this point where you are a thought leader on leading equity. So Sheldon, tell me more. You know, thank you for that. Uh, it's funny because I never thought I would end up in this type of work. Um, you know, I started off teaching in the Virgin Islands, and that was kind of like my first, I guess, awareness or understanding that just because, you know, I, I have my own background and experiences, if I try to enter into someone else's spaces, a community that I'm serving, and and try to instill all of my beliefs and backgrounds and knowledge and not taking the time to get to know the culture and community that I'm serving, I could have some trouble. I could have some problems. And I think when I moved to the Virgin Islands, I, I, I'm, I'm from Texas originally. And, you know, I, I had a lot of that background. And so I used to show up to the classroom and, you know, say, hey, hey, guys, what's up? How y'all doing? How are you living? You know, that's what I was used to saying. And then I discovered that I was a very rude person, apparently. Uh, I had my roommate who was also a teacher at the school, and he said, hey, Sheldon, listen, you got to learn our culture. When we say good morning, when we say good afternoon, when you walk into a room, even if you don't know the people there, even if you walk into the post office, you need to say good morning. That is our custom. That is our practice. And that is what we do. And after I had that conversation with him, that was my kind of first introduction to understanding backgrounds and understanding different cultures and communities that I'm with. And so I've taken that lesson all the way throughout my educational career as a professional. And and I landed in Idaho somehow. That's a whole story in itself, Caroline, as far (laughs) as how I ended up here in Idaho. And and I just had a lot of experiences as a as a professional, as an educator, as a person who worked with students, especially students of color. And they would tell me different things and challenges that they were having. And I didn't know what to do when I was dealing with challenges. And I definitely didn't know how to help my students. And that's how I started the podcast, because I, I wanted to learn how I can be better and not just for myself, but maybe there's other people that are in similar situations that are wanting to be better educators and want to connect with students that are different than them. And and so I just wanted to share what I was learning. So I would hit record. I would interview per- people that had written articles on various topics centered around my interest. And it started to grow. And the next thing I know, three years later, uh, I, I have online courses. I have a business now. This is what I do for a living And I ended up writing a book called Leading Equity, Becoming an Advocate for All Students. And that's overall just from my growth and my experiences and the things I've learned. And I just wanted to share it with everyone else. 
You know, I am so grateful that you're on the show and I I value and honor that your audience is certainly individuals who work with students. Students can benefit from this. Frankly, Sheldon, I think anybody can benefit from this. And, And I see from my vantage point, what you're sharing is applicable to anybody, right? Anybody in in the world of work, because it's about how we treat each other with dignity and respect. And I'd love for you to tell me, how do you define equity? Because it's, it's everywhere, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. You see it on every organization's website, but not everybody walks the walk. They're just talking about it. So what does mm. equity mean to you? Wow. <laughs> I think one of the, the basic premises behind equity is people misunderstand what equity and equality is. You know, people will say, you know, well, if everyone can't get this, then then we shouldn't do it. I I've, I remember being in situations where I worked for a program here at the local university called Trio. And basically what we did was we would help students that would be the first ones in their families to pursue a college degree or coming from a limited income background. I remember going to like a high school and say, hey, this is the program that we have. It's free for our students, but we're looking for kids who would be the first ones in their families to pursue a college degree or coming from a limited income background. And I remember talking to one of the officials, administrators at the school and saying, basically, well, if this isn't offered to everyone, then you can't do it here. And what I was trying to help this this individual understand is you have students in your school that don't need this program. You have students who have parents or guardians that have a college degree, that have masters, that have PhDs. They don't need this program. This is for students who don't have that opportunity, who don't have access to an individual who has experience in college and, and maybe careers that are involved that require a college degree. This is specifically for them. That's the equity piece, right? The equality is, well, we you have to offer this to everyone. Even though everyone doesn't need it, but equality says give everyone the same opportunity. The equity piece is, well, there are individual, let's say you have a 500 kids in your high school, there might be 100 or 200 of those students who would fit in this category where they would maybe need a little bit extra push or extra motivation or some guidance when it comes to choosing the college, career, finding scholarships, finances, uh, those majors, what does that all that mean? This is for them. That's the equity piece. So equity is basically giving individuals, making sure their individual needs are being met. Some people, if you watch certain news stations, they'll say, well, equity is taking things away from one person and giving it to another person or making other people feel bad and all. But I think that's just a very watered down interpretation. And it's also a misconception as to what equity really means. It's it's just bottom line, giving the individual support that a student needs or an individual needs in order to be successful, to grow, to thrive in their environment. Hey, thank you for that. That clarity really resonates. And I, I appreciate the distinction and, and how you define that. You intentionally don't use the term marginalized. And tell mm-hmm. us why, because that, that again, it's a trending word. We hear it a lot. Sometimes it's used. And I would love for you to, to bring, shed some light on that and why you, you don't appreciate that term. You know, that's, 
minority and marginalized are two words that I do not utilize in my vocabulary. I used to, I used to, but I remember reading an article one day. It was a sports article and it was about a basketball team that was playing. And the commentator or the journalist that wrote this article, they mentioned something that really had me thinking about it. They said, um, this school was, you know, 90% black and brown. So it was majority minority. And and I really started to think, well, that doesn't sound right. My majority minority. You, you're talking about a school that's black and brown. How are they still considered a minority in this space? When we think about the word marginalized, for example, marginalized often, again, comes with a, a negative or a less than connotation. OK, so rather than because it's, it's all about perspective, right? If I go into a community that's predominantly black or predominantly of color, we're not marginalized. We're not a minority. We're not in those situations. We are in the majority, if you will. Um, and so it's just more of a perspective marginalized to whom, like who, who is defining what this marginalized marginalization is because I don't feel that I am marginalized. Now I do recognize that there's privileges that I do not have. And so there's some situations where I have to navigate accordingly. However, I do not feel as if I'm a marginalized person. I just think sometimes when we think about history, when we think about how we are represented, when it comes to people of color, they are often shown in a way of trying to get civil rights or trying to get equal rights or trying to get this or just constantly striving just for the, 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 the common laws and respect and, and civilization that uh, we want. And and so that's not the perspective that I, I like for us to take. I, I think that there's some great things that we do and, and we need to be highlighted that way as opposed to always seems like we're coming from behind. I love that. And I'll, I'll tell you what I gleaned from, from this in the book is that you don't want people to feel like we're pointing out a deficit, especially with kids, mm -hmm. right? Let's celebrate their assets and what they bring to the table, not what they're lacking. And the term marginalized makes them feel less than. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes you feel less than, makes you feel unseen. I've, I've had conversations with individuals where they'll say, you know, I, I, I don't feel like my voice is being heard. I could say something in a staff meeting. I could say something in a, a meeting in general. And it seems like my voice isn't being heard. And someone says the exact same thing I just said. And it's like everybody listens to that. It's like, oh, that that is golden. But I just literally just got done saying it. But you didn't hear me. So when we think about what does it mean to feel marginalized or feel like our voices aren't being heard or, or we're not being seen, that's a challenge. And just imagine students that are dealing with that in addition to maybe dealing with situations at home, and then they're still required to do well on their tests, their exams, their quizzes. And, and I don't think that that's the reality. If we really consider the, the human side of our, our, our individuals, not just students, but our community members, our staff as well. Dr. Sheldon Akins will be right back after a quick break. Your Working Life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. 
send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Okay, so the first chapter, you got me right off the bat because you talk about biases. And again, Mm -hmm. this is a hot topic right now. Confirmation bias, um, you know, are we aware of our biases? There's there's a litany of biases. And mm-hmm. I'd love for you to get the audience up to speed because really you you say you've got to be aware of where you come from and where you start. So I'm gonna turn it over to you as the expert, but help us understand bias and how we can navigate through that. So we all have bias. We all do, including myself. I mean, I wrote a book. I, I, I do this podcast, but I have biases. And whenever I do training, that's where I start. Because how can you real, like, how can you want to be better as a, a professional if you don't really know where you come from, who you are, and what blind spots you might hold? So a couple recommendations that I, I'll have is, you know, take part in the implicit association test out of Harvard University. There's also some really good books that address bias. Uh, there's a book called Blind Spot that I really like as well. There is also another book called Bias that, again, will help educate you because I think that's where we start, self-awareness. And the thing about bias is that there are typically unconscious. So there's implicit and there's explicit. Implicit would be the unconscious, well, well-meaning individuals who, again, maybe based off their lived experiences, their background, things like that, they make choices, they make decisions. Stereotypes often play a, a huge factor in the biases that we form. Explicit bias would be the open, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly that, uh, you know, I, it's very intentional. Versus an implicit, that's where I just assume most people fall into that implicit piece where it's like, you know what, I just didn't consider this. I I didn't think about it from your perspective. I didn't see it from your lens because that's not the life that I might have or it's hard for me to relate to something because I've never personally experienced it. So we had to start there, realizing what biases we have. And again, they often come from stereotypes and then ways that we can overcome those biases. Beautiful. Thank you for that. That's really helpful. And thank you for also helping us understand bias is is enculturated in, or acculturated in, in all of us. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's important to acknowledge that, right? You can't be without bias 100%. Right. And there may be, I have a bias toward pizza with pepperoni. <laughs> Maybe that's more of a yeah. taste. That's probably not a good example. But I think it's important for us to to really understand what it is. And you gave that tremendous clarity. So you talk about trainings and you talk about the wonderful work in their book and and also your, your book with Leading Equity Center. How can we in the world of work and specifically in your realm of education, thinking about teachers and, and those that come in contact with students, how do we navigate our biases to empower our students more authentically? You know, I, 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 I would start with, first of all, is you have to develop some sort of empathy. Uh, when it comes to education, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, teachers, all they have to do is teach content. You know, they, if you're a math teacher, you teach math, you teach formulas, algebra, whatever subject you're teaching, and that's it. But we also had to keep in mind when we want students to feel motivated, when we want them to be engaged in the work that we're providing and working with our students, there needs to be some sort of a relationship. You know, when we I've I've taken math class and I and I wasn't a math, a strong math student, 
However, I can remember some math teachers that even though I didn't necessarily like the subject, I had a relationship with the teacher and I wanted to do better. I didn't want to let that teacher down. I, I really did try. And, and that was because of the relationship that was created. So when we're thinking about biases that we might have and, and how do we overcome those things when, we work, when we're working with our students or when we're working with colleagues, you know, we don't have to limit it to just students. But when we're, when we're working with colleagues or individuals, thinking about how can I view things from their lens? That's part of the empathetic approach that I like for people to take. You may not be able to personally relate to situations that an individual is sharing with you. However, you can provide an empathetic approach to your understanding. Now, people will say, oh, let's walk a mile in someone's shoes. And I'm not a fan of walking a mile in someone's shoes, uh, you know, that that phrase, because it's a choice, right? I, I can choose, you know, walk a mile as a temporary situation. However, this is probably someone's lived experience that they deal with every single day. So me taking a couple hours or walking a mile figuratively uh, to me doesn't make sense. However, I can try my best to look at things from their lens, from their perspective. And when you start to see that people are coming to you and confiding with you and, and sharing their, their venting with you and just sharing their experiences, that means that they find value in your relationship and that they find you to be an empathetic person. So that, to me, is the, the ground starting one, step one, if you will. That's a very beginning piece that we need to begin is really start looking at empathy. I love that. And I also tie it directly to how we look at leaders today. Mm -hmm. You know, the modern leader needs to have empathy. They need to have humility. They need to have an opportunity to admit failure and fail forward. So mm -hmm. I see this aligning so well um, in, in human beings, right? And, and character and how we think about the world. Thank you. That was a, a beautiful description. So I want to hear more about your work at the Leading Equity Center that you founded and that you run. What type of work are you doing? You know, that's a good question. I started off working with teachers and, and, and schools and, and districts. I've branched out to a little bit wider net, if you will. So I, I work with nonprofits. I work with for-profit organizations. And we do diversity, equity, and inclusion, belonging, training. And and that can look differently. I, I am not a fan of a one and done. So I show up to your school or your organization and we spend a day together believe that that's going to really change the the systemic challenges that are within a school or organization. Uh, I like multiple touches. I, I believe that this work is not an overnight work. It doesn't mean that you show up for training, do implicit bias training, everybody uh, gets rid of their biases and, or, or yeah. they're, they're good to go after that. No, I, I think it, it takes a little bit more than that. Uh, I love to do keynotes. So I will get on stage and I will talk to your your audience about various topics that you know centered around equity and inclusion. However, I also would like to do workshops as well um, to to further the work. I, I think it's a continual process. And I I have a friend that talks about microwave equity, where he talks about where you know you just kind of pop it into the microwave for a minute and then boom. Your your whatever you're making is ready to go, but it again it takes a lot longer, especially when you're thinking about years and years and years of quote unquote traditional practices yeah. that isn't necessarily in alignment with all cultures in in the community and the 
changing demographics of our, our uh, organizations. You know, I'm so glad that you said that. And, you know, I'm chuckling over microwave equity, and I, I absolutely agree with that reference. It's just not uh, a one and done. This is a journey. Mm-hmm. This is a lifelong opportunity to be aware and think about our behavior in a very intentional way. So what what's your dream scenario for people listening here? What's, what's the one takeaway, Sheldon, that you want them to learn from you? My one takeaway would be to to really start having conversations. You know, a lot of times we avoid conversations around race. We avoid them, them because it makes us feel uncomfortable or maybe we said something in the past and it just didn't go well. or We got accused of being racist or uh, accused of being insensitive and things like that. So we, we avoid these conversations. But I, I believe that it's really important to start having these conversations. That would be the first step and then develop that self-awareness go into the implicit bias conversations, then start looking at what are some things, what what does our, you know, the community that we serve or the employees that we have in our office, what do they look like? What what backgrounds, what languages do they speak? How can we make sure that everyone feels included within our environment in addition to the clients or or people that we work with? How do we make them feel that they are included in our process, our business, our company, those are our services that we provide. I think starting there and and not just taking our own take from what we believe, but asking those kind of questions to the community and, and members that we're serving, our staff members. How are you feeling? Do you feel embraced? Do you feel loved? Do you feel like you can be your true authentic self in our environment? Those are some questions that we have to start asking. Dr. Sheldon Akins, I learned a lot from you today. I'm really grateful that you spent time with me on the show and I'm eager to get this out into the world so they can learn more. They, meaning our global audience, can learn more about you. And your incredible new book is called Leading Equity and it's available on Amazon and all major book retailers. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your expertise with me today. Thanks for having me. And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.